The views and opinions expressed during I and the Triangle do not represent WKNC or the student media. Your dial is currently tuned to I and the Triangle at WKNC 88.1. Thanks for listening. ex-husband works for the pharmaceutical company and he used to work in a pharmaceutical in Puerto Rico. We just know firsthand what was going on then, what is going on now, and what did the future hold in pharmaceuticals. Right now, I do know that this is a promise from the president that he really wants to bring the pharmaceuticals back to Puerto Rico. At some point, Clinton took away certain tax reforms that helped the pharmaceuticals to be in Puerto Rico without having to pay too much taxes. That was taken away, so pharmaceuticals, many of them, left to go to China and go all over the world. But based on what President Trump is saying right now, he wants those pharmaceuticals coming back. It's a component of the ongoing trade war, I assume. Because it'll represent less for China. How do you feel about that? The truth of the matter, it'll be a big, big, big help. I mean, you have no idea... When I was there and my ex-husband was working in the pharmaceuticals, there were so many people that was employed. The finances of Puerto Rico were so much better, so much better. IBM was in Puerto Rico. Little by little, they started going away because this country doesn't charge me for taxes. So it's much better to be over there, whatever country that was. So little by little, they started leaving. That was hard because there were so many unemployed people. And what they had to do, they had to run to the states about to completely lose their jobs. Companies that stayed behind medication or pharmaceutical stuff that they were doing. So that means product stops. If they make more machines to work on the production, they don't need that many people. So that's one thing that made calls kind of go down. And right now, there's not that many pharmaceuticals left in Puerto Rico, and they sit empty. There are so many jobs that can be created, that will be created, but it's a matter of waiting. It's the waiting game now. There is a promise. We just have to see if it comes true. But how long can people afford to wait? That's the problem. They can't. That's why they keep coming back to the States. Imagine you study all the way to high school. You go into college, you want to become a doctor. You graduate, top of your class. All of a sudden, there's no jobs for you unless you dig into your pocket and you open your own little office, doctor's office, in town. And there's not that many people that will attend because you just started. So you won't have too much income. And you have all these student loans that you have to pay back. What are you going to do? The obvious would be jump on a plane, get to the States, work for a hospital for a while until you are able to pay all your loans and make a little bit of money 
and maybe if you want to go back to Puerto Rico. So not only doctors, but engineers, attorneys, technical, oh my God, IT, people that work on IT. The people that are left behind is people that are taking care of agriculture because that's the only thing that it's left there. But still, they have to work hard because they have to have their own piece of land and they have to work it. And most of the people that I know are working their own piece of land with their own mom and dad and sister and brother and wife and kids. So it's a family kind of affair because they are not paying that much either. Do you have any memories of Puerto Rico's past? Are things better or worse now? I had great memories of Puerto Rico's past. I remember when we can get up in the morning, open the door to the street from the house, and leave it open the entire day. And nobody will dare to jump that balcony to get inside the house to do any harm. You can leave your car unlocked outside. And I'm talking downtown. I'm not talking in the countryside. And, and you can leave it open and nobody would dare to come in without being asked or invited in. Today, it's a whole different story. Today, we had to put bars in the balcony because anybody can just jump and come in, right in. We have to have a lock on the gate so people don't just open the gate and invite themselves in and being robbed. You have to watch when you're leaving the house to get into your car, which is parked right in front of the door. Those are where I live and what I experienced. I used to go to the countryside. I loved, loved picking coffee. We will go in the countryside. We will pick up coffee. We'll put it to dry, toasted it, grind it, and drank it. It is so sweet. Can't do that anymore. People practically have walked away because it's such a hard job that nobody wants to do it for pennies. And is this connected to the economy, to the debt crisis, all of this? There are so many things connected to it. For example, you own a piece of land. Let's say your crop is avocados. If you go right now to the supermarket, you might get an avocado for probably, what, $2, $1.50. I remember we used to have avocados for 25 cents because it was everywhere. But nowadays, the people that have farms dedicated to avocados, they are selling these avocados to a supermarket trying to sell it to them for 50 cents so they can pay the people that are picking them up from the tree. Maybe 75 cents so they can keep 25 and pay 50. They can't do that. The supermarket will fight for it. They want to pay him 30 cents. And then they go ahead, they buy it for 30 cents and they sell it to you for two and two fifty. So who's getting the money is the supermarket. Another thing that I just read recently, it broke my heart. There is this big piece of land. Crop is mangoes. Do you like mangoes? Love them. They're very tasty. I do. Guess where all that crop is taken to? Europe. All the crop from that farm is taken to Europe. Not even the States. And here we are eating Mexican mangoes or Colombian mangoes. So not even United States is buying into what Puerto Rico is producing. So that's not helping us either. So all your exports are crossing into the Atlantic? 
apparently. But this is the thing. Due to the Jones Act, all our exports, everything that comes out of Puerto Rico has to come to the United States. That markup must be insane. United States do whatever they are going to do with it. Again, if you have a crop as big as this mango farm, why don't you pick a place here and sell it here? That means that Puerto Ricans are able to get a little bit more money than what they're getting now with the crop being sent to Europe. Bacardi, let's go to Bacardi. Bacardi is a company that came from Cuba, but it's Puerto Rican now. We produce Bacardi. Bacardi comes to the States because we have to send it here. United States put taxes on it and United States send it back to Puerto Rico. So when I go to Puerto Rico and I want to buy a bottle of Bacardi, I'm paying double taxes. So we have to pay taxes on our own rum. Bacardi makes the rum in Puerto Rico. We have to send it to the United States to be labeled and all of that. Then United States send it back to Puerto Rico. But when we get it back, we have to pay taxes on it. And then they put it out in the store, let's say. And I go to the store and I have to pay. I'm paying for the rum. I'm paying for the U.S. taxes that were put on top of it. I'm paying for the transportation put on top of it. Plus, I'm paying the taxes that they have in Puerto Rico. That's the total price of a bottle of rum in Puerto Rico. So what you're telling me is that Puerto Rico is producing all these products and sending them out across the world. But if it ever wants to be able to utilize these products themselves, if it ever wants to get the fruits of their own labor, they often have to go through U.S. taxation. Like I said before, if it is, for example, this Finca Mi Diana, it's a family that owns their own farm and they have different fruits and they just go local and they sell their produce to the local supermarket. That you can do. Why? Because you don't produce enough. This farm produces enough for two supermarkets and a couple of people that stands by the road selling a few produce. So in that case, United States doesn't have to do anything with them. So they don't own anything to Puerto Rico, but they do have to pay taxes to the United States. But they do have to pay taxes to Puerto Rico when they sell these produce. Now, if you are making bigger things, going back to pharmaceuticals, pharmaceuticals, many of these things are made in Puerto Rico. They are transported to the United States to get the, I don't know what kind of OKs that they're getting, but to get an OK. And then it comes back to us. There are medications that are made in Puerto Rico, exactly the same as the Bacardi. It's made in Puerto Rico. It has to come to the United States, be taxed here. We have to buy it back from the United States so we can consume it. How does anyone afford products? That's what makes it so hard over there. Because we are paying almost double or triple the amount of money of something that we produce and should have stayed right then and there. On your mangoes, on your medicine, on your rum. Did you remember, for example, during Hurricane Maria, even though everybody knows what happened and, and all that the president of the United States said about Puerto Rico and, and all of that, but I do not know if you remember there was a shortage of medication. There was a shortage here in the United States the IV solutions. Why was that? Because 
Puerto Rico was making them because they had no electricity to be able to power the plants. If the pharmaceutical plant had a power plant, it was not enough because they did not have the either gasoline or whatever was powering the plant to be able to produce the amount of pharmaceuticals they were producing before the hurricane. The infrastructure, the, the electricity, roads, basic supplies, all of those were cut off by the hurricane. Yes, and it was very bad and it was very painful to talk to my family members and know that they had no water and I couldn't just drive or fly there to take it to them. They were short in food. And I couldn't do anything because I was here in the States. It was hard to communicate with them. I couldn't communicate for, I think it was about two and a half weeks before I was able to have any contact with any of my family members. It's a long time not to hear from family. It's way too long, way too long. There were many things that we do that are done. They are done in Puerto Rico. The United States needs, but if we can make them, of course, we can't provide them, but we need help. What kind of help? I will go back again to the fact that the President Trump has signed, I think it's close to $13 billion in help to fix the power infrastructure and to fix schools that have been closed, damaged by the hurricane, and to bring back the pharmaceuticals to Puerto Rico. I can't say that that is going to become real because when Hurricane Maria happened, he signed for a certain amount of money to go to Puerto Rico in a span of several years. And then all of a sudden, he decided that he was going to cut that off because he needed some of that money to continue the wall between U.S. and Mexico. So Puerto Rico didn't get the money they were promised. Not all of it. Not all of it. So. Again, the president signed this $13 billion, but I don't know what's going to happen until I see it. It's in nobody's hands right now, or at least it's not in Puerto Rico's hands. Not yet. How do you feel about that? I have mixed feelings. Is he really doing this to grow Puerto Rico? Is he doing this so he can get votes? Is he going to stand all the way to the end on what he signed for? I don't know. If it does, and if it goes through, there's a lot of people that want to go back home, home being Puerto Rico. And these people will definitely go back if the employment is there. These are the people who have probably the same memories as you, driving to the countryside, getting coffee, being able to live safely and happily without bars in your windows. A job opportunity in Puerto Rico that will pay me that I can, I don't need a five bedroom, three bed, three bathroom house. I don't. I grew up in a three one, seven people in the house sharing one bathroom. And we lived. I don't need much and I don't need to be rich. I just want to be able to be comfortable and have my little piece of land where I can have my avocado tree and my mango tree. And my cherry tree, it's the happy life. I lived here in the States. I have lived in here in the States for close to 20 years. 
but right now there is no jobs for me over there. And if you can't survive there, then there's there's no point in going back. Exactly. That's very sad. Pharmaceuticals and medications and things that U.S. had done in Puerto Rico. One thing that they did, for example, was when they started adding hormones to the chickens. That was something that was started in Puerto Rico. They were, again, they have done so many trials with us. Birth control trials, cancer trials, you name it. Our last show on WKNC was about the birth control trials, or at least the last time we were discussing Puerto Rico. Yes, that was in the 1940s, 1950s, because it was a study that wasn't well done. They tried not to record, keep records of all the things that happened to the different women that received the, the birth control trial. Yeah, the negative things, they didn't record that well. So we don't have much information. We do have some, which is enough. They also did added hormones to the chickens. And this one did touch me. It touched me because this was making kids develop faster than normal. And I will put this, for example, children, the girls, mostly, they will get breasts at nine years old. At 11 years old, they were fully breast. They would get their period at nine years old. And it was all because of the hormones they were putting in the chicken. Chicken is something that is the thing that we eat the most. Rice and beans and fried chicken almost every day in your life. Almost, except for Christmas. <laughs> My daughter went through that. I remember when finally somebody figured it out that it was the hormones in the chicken. And they told us to stop eating chicken altogether in Puerto Rico. We advise you don't eat chicken. We have found this. This hormone is doing this to the children, even to the boys. You had boys with breasts. Not long before that, they started putting those hormones here in the chicken factories here in the United States. After they've seen what happened in Puerto Rico. I am extremely allergic to the hormones in the, in the chicken. If I'm going to eat chicken, I have to look for one that is hormone-free. My son is allergic to chicken completely, the hormone and the chicken. When he was little, he was allergic to eggs and all of that because of all the hormones that were put into the chicken. Of course, these things were not recorded, not part of a study. I looked over news reports that was back the 80s, I believe, right? End of the 80s, beginning of the 90s. I remember from when I was researching it, there just, there weren't many studies or even news reports that were going into it. I found only a handful of articles. Except us. You know, but three people in one family with that same problem due to the same thing, again, because we were not part of a study, is not recorded. How did your daughter handle this? She still handles it. Because with that came other health issues, ovarian issues, PCOS. There are so many issues that come with it too, that she still handles it. She still lives with it. And it's an everyday battle for her. If I go and I say something, it's like, oh, you're crazy. Why? Again, I was never part of a study. So they will not believe me that all these things happen because of. I know because 
I notice, oh, wait, this is happening to me. This is happening to the kids. All of a sudden, they tell us, do not eat the chicken because of the hormones. This is going on to the kids. We are seeing it with our own eyes. So given all of this, given your family's interaction with this chicken hormone, how it's negatively impacted you, given the fact that you seem to be in competition between a wall and your nation's economy for funding, how would you describe Puerto Rico's relationship with the U.S.? I would say that Puerto Ricans are tired of being second and third best and first for others like wars. Many Puerto Ricans get into the Army, Navy, and all of that just so they can get a good income. Yeah, it's an opportunity. It's something, right? Yeah, totally. And I applaud them. It takes courage. I cannot do that. <laughs> but the fact that they go to war and they fight for our nation, they are U.S. soldiers. They're not Puerto Rican soldiers. They're U.S. soldiers. I mean, you have to ask, would they do that if, if there were more jobs in Puerto Rico? Would they do that if they had more opportunities? If they had more opportunities, I'm sure that they would just stay in Puerto Rico and find a good job. Like they can sustain their family. Their family is not just you, your wife, and your kids. Their family is your mom, your dad, your sisters and brothers. Maybe you have an aunt that never got married and you are the son that they never had. That is family. It's different but they fight for it. We fight for it. We help each other the best we can. If we have it, we give it away to them, to the family. That's a lot to carry. Yep. And who's fighting for you? My kids fight for me. See that in them. Why do you think it's so easy for a lot of folks to forget about Puerto Rico? Here in the States, Puerto Rico, when they go for vacation, Rico, ah, I don't need my passport or anything. I just need my ID. It's United States. I use the same dollar, the same coins. So do you think people think of it as convenient? It is very, very convenient for people that retire. Retire, they go retire in Puerto Rico. Why? Because they don't pay U.S. taxes, taxes to Puerto Rico, if. It's sad to say, but... Right now, there are so many things that mainland Americans are taking advantage of Puerto Rico, like buying properties because they do have the money to buy it. But the people from Puerto Rico might not have it. Or mostly they don't have it. I feel and I've seen it being on the mainland that Puerto Rico is just a convenience it's a guinea pig for medical things. It's a afterthought for the United States. If I lived in Puerto Rico, I don't vote for a president. You can't. Yeah, it's impossible. Because I've been here in the States and I've been living here for so long, I do vote for a president. So I do have a vote. Over there, I don't. So I don't think the president kind of needs to take care of us unless he needs something from us. That's how I feel in my personal opinion. And I am not a political person. I am not. I don't talk about politics either. I'm just saying what I see, what I observe in my own opinion. 
Yes, of course, of course, you speak for yourself. But in a lot of ways, it's it's all political, isn't it? A lot of what determines the, the fate of your home, the fate of where you grew up, a lot of it is is all wrapped up in, in this stuff way over our heads. Yeah, but Puerto Rico, as it was, is dying. I can't wait for the results of these census, actually, to see the real number of Puerto Ricans that have remained in the island. Because there are so many just moving to Florida, to Texas, Virginia, California, looking for better opportunities. So, What are your hopes for the future? I hope that Puerto Rico can rise. doesn't need to be like in the past or better than the past for a wonderful future that we can have an island and that we can become a state maybe and be also in a way independent and i mean independent in the fact that we can sustain ourselves with what we make in puerto rico you don't want puerto rico to have to lean on anyone exactly and not necessarily that they are like jamaica that they're an independent country but that we can produce what we need. We don't need to be asking the United States or any other country to send us help because we can. I know Puerto Rico, it's big enough and capable of if we do have the necessary means to get the process started again. To circle back to what you said earlier, which, which really stuck in my mind, you want the ability to drive out Grind your coffee and drink your coffee. Yeah, it was wonderful. <laughs> and you want that for everyone? Yes, I would love that. Yeah. Wouldn't you like to? Oh, me? <laughs> yeah. That sounds like heaven. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I remember asking kid once, where beef comes from? From the supermarket. They don't know. <laughs> I want people to know where things come from. Where, what you eat, what you drink, where does it come from? And why do you want them to know that? Because everything has a start. Everything has a start. You did come from your mother, but your mother came from your grandmother. I've been recently looking to people that were before me, and I learned that my ancestors come straight from Spain, and that it's nice to know. It doesn't change me. Why do you find yourself looking back, do you think? It's not better times, but because I believe in looking to the past to have a better future. In the case of coffee, coffee tastes so different. The coffee that we drink here, it's burnt and it's kind of sour. Coffee that you make the old way is sweet. I like the fact that I had the opportunity to do something the old way, to appreciate what the people behind me did for me so I can do better for the people in my future. I have to teach my children so they can teach the future grandchildren and so on and so forth. Is there anything you want to say to them, listeners? Yes, I would like them to do your research. Don't just listen to me, what I have to say. Don't always just hear what someone says and just believe right then and there. Do your research. Do... Do get to know a Puerto Rican instead of believing what people say about us. 
get to know someone that used to work in the past in the industry and get to know people, respect the past so you can have a better future. Thank you very much. You're welcome. WKNC 88.1, Zion the Triangle. I'm Aaron Kling, and you were just listening to Sita Seda discussing her past in Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico's future, and hopes all through that. Thank you, everyone. Good night. Welcome to the Public News Service Daily Newscast for October 2nd, 2020. I'm Mary Sherman. A breaking story from overnight, President Donald Trump announced he and First Lady Melania Trump have tested positive for COVID-19. They were tested after learning that a close advisor to the president, Hope Hicks, had tested positive. In an early morning tweet, President Trump said he and the First Lady will begin their quarantine process immediately, adding, we will get through this together. The news throws a wrench into the president's final weeks of campaigning before the November 3rd election. There are now questions about how far the virus may have spread among senior White House officials who are often seen not wearing masks. The House passed a $2.2 trillion coronavirus stimulus plan on Thursday night. Among its provisions, the package would reinstate the $600 per week enhanced unemployment benefit through January. The nation's hunger-fighting networks applauding the legislation, which also includes a 15% benefit increase for SNAP. At the Hoosier Hills Food Bank in Indiana, Julio Alonzo says he's seen hunger at unprecedented levels, and he doesn't expect demand to fall anytime soon. It's important for the federal government to get something done as quickly as possible. It's still going to be months before people can start earning the incomes that they had, start having the child care that they had, start being able to have their kids in school, and we're going to need some help for a long time to come. The bill will likely not get through the Republican-held Senate, as Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has opposed the legislation's price tag. For the second time, the ACLU of Washington's filed a motion of contempt against the city of Seattle on behalf of Black Lives Matter Seattle King County in a lawsuit over police response to protests. Lily Bulky reports. A federal judge this summer barred Seattle officers from using blast balls, pepper spray, foam-tipped projectiles, and other crowd control weapons, with the exception of responding to a specific imminent threat of personal injury or property damage. But Molly Tack Hooper with the ACLU of Washington says that order hasn't been followed. SPD will decide at some point that the protest is no longer lawful. They'll declare it to be a riot or an unlawful assembly, and then they'll start using these less lethal weapons to push the whole crowd back. The first motion of contempt in late July led to a preliminary injunction, and the city agreed to expand the restrictions on the less lethal weapons. This second motion alleges the city has failed to take the necessary steps to comply. Two conservative political operatives were charged Thursday in Michigan in connection with robocalls that falsely warned black residents that if they voted by mail in the November 3rd election, they could be subjected to arrest, debt collection, and forced vaccination. Investigators say Jacob Wall and Jack Berkman were behind 85,000 calls nationwide, including thousands in Detroit and urban areas of Pennsylvania, Ohio, Illinois, and New York. This is PNS. Democrats and some voting rights advocates are blasting a decision by Texas Governor Greg Abbott to limit the amount of drop-off locations for mail-in ballots to one site per county. The Republican governor said in a statement the order was made to enhance ballot security. It also allows poll workers to observe the in-person delivery of mail-in ballots by voters. But critics say it could severely limit access for many voters. COVID-19 cases in Wisconsin are spiking again, renewing concerns about voter access with Election Day looming. 
Karen Voss of the nonpartisan volunteer group Chippewa Valley Votes says demand is still strong for absentee ballots, and they're educating local residents about the process, including how to register. They're also working with local authorities on a process for ensuring that people being held in the county jail can participate in the election. We have in our jail system individuals in the care of our jails who either are registered voters and still have the right to vote and yet are not finding it easy. In a recent report, the ACLU of Wisconsin found more than half of the responding county jails had no written policies for helping folks who are incarcerated cast their ballots. I'm Mike Moen. Spurred by concern that folks battling substance abuse can't always get in-person treatment during the pandemic, West Virginia is highlighting telehealth options to help providers better support their patients. Diane Bernard has more. Bob Hansen, executive director of the West Virginia Office of Drug Control Policy, urged treatment providers to get their patients to download its Connections app for cell phones. The app gives folks in recovery a personal touch, from peer support to one-to-one messaging, which Hansen says is especially needed during this time of social distancing. There's been a early study that really access to treatment has not been dramatically reduced, and the good reason has been the use of telemedicine and the technologies. A recent study in Appalachia shows women with substance abuse disorders who used the Connections app stayed in treatment longer than those who didn't. Conservation groups say one task most homeowners can take off their autumn to-do list is getting rid of all those leaves. According to David Majewski with the National Wildlife Federation, Allowing some or all of those leaves to decompose naturally in a corner of your yard or using them to cover your garden is not only easier, it's the environmentally smart thing to do. You're going to be doing your plants a favor by providing that natural mulch protection and fertilizing them. At the same time, that leaf litter is really, really important habitat for all sorts of wildlife. He has that 33 million tons of leaves and other lawn debris put in plastic bags and sent to landfills every year generate methane a powerful greenhouse gas as they decompose. I'm Mary Sherman for Public News Service, member and listener supported, and online at publicnewsservice.org.